All right. Hello, everyone listening and uh, watching. If you're watching on our Facebook or Vimeo feed uh, today on our Conversations podcast, we are and actually for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking with some North American Mission Board church planners and missionaries um, and kind of talking about what the Annie Armstrong Easter offering means for them and what it helps them do and how you can give that, how you can support them. And so today we are talking with Ryan and Trisha McCammick, and they are out in Atlanta, Georgia with a church there. And so good to have you guys here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, all right. So we've got some questions for them, and then they're going to be talking a little bit to Genesis. All right. So um, one of the questions I have for you is how did you, I mean, first, how do you end up on technically the what east side of Atlanta I mean your video says east side of Atlanta and mm -hmm. most of our viewers at this point will have already seen your video and uh, that Nam has put out so um just talk to us about you know where you're from you know how did you get there how did God call you there how do you how did you even know that this is where you're supposed to do especially starting a church in Atlanta where you know there's a lot of churches there you know um and so just kind of walk us through that journey if you will yeah. Um, I mean, we had been serving in a church in Chicago um, for about 12 years. I was a pastor there and we just kind of had intended to stay there, had no plans of moving. Um, but I, I, uh, I started preaching at a camp um, near Dayton, Tennessee, which is kind of just a little bit north of uh, Chattanooga. And uh, the, the staff there who was primarily um, young professionals from East Atlanta said, hey, Ryan, would you think about planning a church in Atlanta? And, uh, you know, being so spiritual and led by the spirit, uh, you know, we basically said no, like, and exactly what you said. Well, there's a, there's a church on every corner. There's no need for us to leave Chicago. There's greater need there. We're not coming down to Atlanta, but hey, be warmed, be filled, be gone. Um, we'll pray. No, we we'll <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys can move. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. Uh, but so that was kind of our first introduction to it. Then we kept coming back to the camp, and then finally, Trisha and I were like, you know what, we should we should pray about this. Um, and so we started praying, and we came back to these guys and said, hey, we're open to this, but the Lord has to make it crystal clear. We have like a thousand kids. We actually have eight. Um, you know, I wasn't like just out of seminary or anything. It was, this would be a massive, massive move for our family. So we were like, the Lord just has to make it super plain. And he did just that. Um, he introduced a, a couple of partners to the table, one being the, the summit church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, they actually had a burden for planting in Atlanta and particularly the type of church that we desired to plant. Uh, which was a, uh, a multi-ethnic church. You know, the camp that I was speaking at was created back in the pre-civil rights days for African-American children. So 95% of the people there were black, including these young professionals that came and asked me if I would plant a church there. Uh, so God brought them along. And then God also brought Blueprint Church along, which is right down in the heart of Atlanta. They had kind of a burden for planning over on the east side of the city as well. Uh, Trish and I got there and just kind of thought we were gonna sit on the bench and kind of observe for a little while. 
But really quickly, we connected with the Blueprint leadership. They asked me to come and be one of the pastors and then ended up sending us out. So it was just one, one kindness of the Lord after another, make, making doors open. And then the, the area of the town that the Lord planted us in really fit who Trisha and I are. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I'm sure. So um, Ryan grew up kind of a little bit more inner city, um, more surrounded by minority. And that was, that was where he grew up. I grew up on the mission field in Uruguay, South America. Um, so where the Lord put us was just an area that is um, majority minority and um just north of where we are at is the the city of Clarkson, um, which has been a refugee reestablishment area um, for quite a few years. I'm since not sure. the 70s, yeah. Since the 70s. Um, so largely international community. Um, so that just gave us an opportunity to um, just kind of minister in the areas that we both had burdens about. Um, he mentioned being at the church in Illinois for uh, about 12 years. So our only caveat we planned on staying there was like, unless the Lord led us kind of overseas as missionaries. So we kind of always had that in our hearts. Um, so we figured when the Lord started moving our hearts and saying, you know, let's pray about it. Uh, there was a little bit like, oh, let's also pray about, you know, some other areas of um, just the world, see where he's leading us. So it was exciting just to see we never expected to end up in Atlanta, but just to see that the demographics of the area that the Lord put us just so fit um, kind of our story and our burdens for ministry. So, And what the Lord's done at, at Gospel Hope, and we're about three and a half years old, is um, Lord willing in 2021, we're going to be planting um, two congregations that will be part of the Gospel Hope family. One will be a Spanish-speaking congregation and one will be a Nepali-speaking congregation. Mm -hmm. And that's just how the Lord has opened doors. There's a need and burden and leaders are being raised up. So in many senses, we just tried to be faithful and walk through the doors that the Lord opened. And he's just really been so gracious and so kind to us and allowing to say, this is a real fit for our family and for the burdens that Trisha and I have had for a long time. So, okay, uh, I want to go back to two things you said there. Let's go back to the eight children statement. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because I know that some of our viewers are moms, okay? And they're going to hear that and their jaw's going to drop, you know? <laughs> so, um, all right, so kind of what's the age range of your kids and, and how have they adjusted to this move and, and all of that just kind of help the moms feel better about what you just said. <laughs> so our age range is our oldest is 18. Um, he'll be heading to college in the fall. And then our youngest is two. So um, we have it all. We have it all. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that. So one of our, one of our children is adopted um, from Uganda. Right. He's a special guy. Um, but the, the move in and of itself it was at first because they had been basically in that same church from birth. Um, so several of them, you know, volunteered to just live with their grandparents who were in the, that same town <laughs> and let us go plant the church. And then we could come back and get them when we were done is basically 
the rationale in their in their little brains. Um, so we just really, it was, of course, our timing was terrible. It's like late at night one night. We're like, hey, guys, let's tell you what we're doing. <laughs> and so we were just amazed. We really were praying then, you know, that night. And even by the next morning, we were just amazed at what the Lord had done in their hearts. They were like, okay, what are we? we're going to share the gospel, you know, like we're going to go tell people about Jesus. Um, and that's a need there. And so we were able to have a lot of conversations and they, they just really got on board. And now in retrospect, talking to them, you know, have you ever regretted this move? You know, what was hard for you? Does, are there things that are still hard for you? They're, they're just very wholeheartedly all in. They have, they have served faithfully, um, in the church plant, which they, there's just so many opportunities because there's so many needs just to, and you guys know that, um, just to plug in, there's always something that needs to be done. Um, so we've, we felt like that's been very, uh, just a great experience for them. Yeah. We, we actually heard a stat not too long ago from, from the vice president of the SEN network saying something like three out of four, um, church planter kids, actually end up uh, really faithfully serving the Lord long-term, uh, many of them in vocational ministry, because they feel a sense of ownership of, of the church. And so I, I think that we tried to emphasize that, that this was not daddy planning the church or mom and dad planning the church, but we're planning the church. And they all have served and got engaged. And um, I, I think it's been a very valuable experience not always easy but a very valuable experience for them yeah because as y'all were talking man i mean chris has got some kids and um on um, you know pam and I, my wife pam we've had we have four of our own but we also have two more uh that we're in the process of adopting and so okay. we're we're starting over i mean there's right. you know um i just like to tell people that jeff's 50 and has a two-year-old <laughs> I don't. I don't tell them about adoption. Yeah, just don't explain. Just, say, hey, yeah. you know, right. <laughs> just let them think what they want. Two year old. <laughs> yeah, you know, Pam and I, we just love joy, 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 joy. <laughs> that's what children are. Okay, at least that's what the Bible says. You know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right. The second thing that uh, you said was uh, these two two uh, possible church plants within your church. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so is that gonna, is that like in the same building, same location kind of thing? Just, yeah, that's our hope that there'll be, you know, um, gospel hope in Espanol, gospel hope, um, Nepali. Uh, and, and the reason for that is not that these guys aren't more than capable of just doing it on their own, but the reality is, is with ministering to different language groups in the United States, it's always going to be single generational because the kids are going to go to school. They're going to learn English. They're actually going to become more comfortable with American culture um, than with their, their parents' native homeland culture. And, and what, is, what happens in ethnic congregations like that oftentimes is there's this sense of betrayal between the generations. Like the younger generation is like, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm going to go over to this English-speaking church and the older generations are like, hey, you're rejecting me. You're rejecting our culture. And so what we want to do is try to build a bridge there to say, hey, the whole family can come worship together. There'll be kids and student ministry in English. 
you know, if the young people are more comfortable worshiping in English, then they can go there. But if grandma or grandpa or mom and dad would rather worship in Spanish or Nepali, that's available for them. But we're one church. And then the leaders of those congregations will be, you know, elders in our whole church mm -hmm. so that we're hearing feedback from them. And it's not just us telling them what to do. No, they're actually informing and shaping the way our, our ministry worked out. So that's our vision. Um, we're excited about what the Lord's doing. And we're kind of in the early stages of that right now, interviewing um, or more than interviewing, continuing to build a relationship with some uh, a Nepali planter and a Spanish planter that we're, we're excited about seeing if the Lord would bring us together in that type of partnership. So just out of curiosity, you know, the Hispanic, you know, churches, you know, that's pretty common, you know, the, the Nepali thing, um, that, that's a little different for, I think most of our viewers hearing that in the United States, in Atlanta, where do you find somebody to uh, help lead that aspect of that ministry? Yeah, we kind of, I mean, the old saying is, is kind of, not, don't tell the Lord what you're doing and then you know, ask him to bless it, rather see what he's doing and then say, Lord, how can I be involved in that? And that's just what happened to us in that scenario. We have a, a, a man who, uh, a man and his wife, he's Nepali, she's American. He's doing ministry over in Nepal already. And as we've gotten to know, Joshua is his name. The more we're saying, Joshua, we should really, if you're really wanting to do this ministry, and you're engaging people here in our neighborhood. There's like there's like ten thousand Nepalis in Atlanta, which is which is crazy. Wow. Um, okay. But if we're really want to do this, we should have a church so that as you're reaching people here in our community, you can disciple them and they can continue this relationship. Um, and so that's that's how the Lord just opened that door. We built that relationship, and and Joshua introduced us to some other pastors who um, are 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 trying to get a church started and, the, and, and our conversation is basically, can we do this better together? Mm -hmm. Is this something where we can learn from one another and sharpen one another and be a blessing to each other and the kingdom? So that's kind of our, our vision in that. And, and that just came about by the Lord bringing Joshua and, and Amy to our church. So are there, are, are there like other Nepali churches in the area or is this sort of a kind of a unique thing or? Yeah, there's a few Nepali churches. There's there's probably three or four that, okay. that we know of. Um, but the, you know, this is a real opportunity. At, at least we're burdened about this because, you know, as as you might be aware, you know, in Nepal, like the predominant religion is is Hindu. And so these people are not like nominal, they don't have any background, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real opportunity to connect with people and show the love of Jesus to people who are, who are far from the Lord and, and maybe not even had exposure to the gospel. And then here's the, here's the reality. Very few people speak Nepali other than people from Nepal. So like, like connecting with them, that might be the only gospel witness they hear if we, right. if we do something like this. So that's our burden. So, um. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I I had a quick question. Well, it might not be a quick question. I don't know. Um, I mentioned before we started recording that I was from the South, and so, you know, knowing the area and stuff, I know I know some of those deep divisions. And um, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina where it's just, I mean, a lot of it's ingrained to be divided. And even here in our small town in Missouri, um, you know, Sunday morning is still 
divided. I mean, a multi-ethnic church here, I would say, despite everybody's best efforts, are always predominantly 95% one race, you know, or, or another. Um, how did you guys approach the, the multi-ethnic concept and how did that work for you? Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Okay. I'll start. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, the vision of our church is to display the reconciling hope of the gospel because we, we really believe, particularly in a city like Atlanta, you know, which has such a history of civil rights, there's a, there's a strong, um, black middle-class here. Um, we wanted to tangibly say, look, the gospel can bring people together across political division, across racial division, across socioeconomic division. We want to display the reconciling hope of the gospel. A big part of that is um, shared leadership. So, um, you know, one of our prayers as we started out was that, Lord, you know what type of church that we want to plant uh, you know the community that we're planning in. It's extremely diverse. Would you bring along a brother who would lead this church with me? And God God answered that prayer tremendously in bringing Rod Dewberry uh, to the team. He's been a huge blessing. Um, and so we share the pulpit. We share leadership. I just think if uh, particularly if predominantly white churches want to uh, begin to reach minority communities, they have to be willing to give away leadership. Um, that That's just, that's a non-negotiable um, in, in terms of if we're really going to give credibility and um, just empowerment to minority voices, we need to let minority leaders speak into that. So, and it's been a, it's been a great blessing for our church. Um, I think there's not one strategy, but it's, you have to be willing to say, God is calling us to reach our neighbors. What do our neighbors look like? And then how can we best, you know, use sanctified imagination to engage them with the gospel? Um, And it's, there's a learning curve in that. I think in a place where like Atlanta, which is, yeah, it's just crazy diverse, um, you know, Trisha and I have had to learn a lot. And I would say there's been hard moments, but overall it's a very, very, my, our lives are enriched for it because we're able to have, I think, a more global perspective, a more kingdom perspective versus like, this is just how I was raised or, or the people that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways the Lord prepared us and helped us, um, kind of enter into that with the church aspect is even, you know, where we moved in Atlanta, um, it's probably 99% um, black and, and just to kind of experience, you know, it's not the same as being a minority, you know, we're still white, but just to, to experience a little bit of, um, you know, just that aspect and just learning more than that, not, not really experiencing, um, being the minority in a smaller context, but, but really just being able to learn the culture and try to, um, you know, build those relationships. And and that's what we really have seen is just so important. The Lord's been very gracious, um, in gospel hope. Um, especially as we, as we see that divide that that's been there, you know, it's just, people are opening their eyes to it a little bit, like we're seeing, 
um, what's kind of been under the surface maybe for some people um, that's been there for a long time. Um, but as we see that, I think it just makes it all the more beautiful when the people of God can come together and have these sweet relationships and worship together. Um, it just makes me um, more and more amazed at what God has done at Gospel Hope and just just the yeah, just the the beauty of those deep um, relationships where we're just seeking to to further His kingdom together. So the, the other thing that I think has been very helpful for us is that Rod and I have a bias towards running towards the tension, rather than ignoring elephants in the room or division. We try to speak into them. Now we're not trying to make the 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 pulpit a bully pulpit or like a political platform. Not at all. We're just trying to consistently say, how should we as Christians think about what's going on in our world? And not saying you should vote this way or you should, you should endorse this policy, but rather like, how does the Bible inform our thinking and our behavior, even towards people who differ from us? And the real advantage of having a multi-ethnic team is that there are things that it's better for our church to hear from a white guy. And there are things that it's better for our church to hear from a black guy. And having two leaders who share that leadership, we're able to kind of sit down and say, hey, who does this come from better? I mean, one thing that we did, um, e even we preached through the book of Philemon, um, tag team. I don't mean like I preached a sermon and then Rod preached a sermon. Like we preached the sermon together because um, we thought that would be a more powerful display of the reconciling hope of the gospel. So we try to think about those things. How can we bring unity to our church, gospel unity, not political or socioeconomic or racial unity, but gospel unity and keep that on the forefront of what we do. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it's neat to see, you know, we have, you know, people in our church that are, I mean, we're talking about politics or what are, are deeply divided on those issues. Like they would not see it the same at all. But I think what is beautiful is we've seen that even like the relationship trumps that yeah. and it, it, that's more important. And so they're like, I, you know, let's have some more conversations about this. Um, but instead of ending the relationship or pulling away or just saying, you know, you're on that side of the fence and you don't see things correct or whatever, um, they're just willing to engage because there's a relationship there mm -hmm. that is driving versus just the the topic or the the political situation so yeah that's good yeah I, I i totally agree with your strategy about you've got to be out front with it and um you know you've got to demonstrate through leadership and um i mean a, a lot of times just what we visually do says a lot more than what we say and, you know, and cause you know, the video Rod is, you know, that he's highlighted a little bit, you know, y'all mm -hmm. mentioned him in the video and, uh, and I had a few questions about him, but, uh, you, you answered them. So that's good. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, okay. So what, how are we doing on time, Chris? Oh, we're at, I mean, 20 minutes ish. Okay. Not bad. Um, all right. So obviously, you know, um, I don't know if we're on the tail end, the middle or beginning of something new with the whole COVID-19 stuff. So uh, with your church and your ministry there, uh, especially being a new church, because, uh, you know, a year ago when COVID started, y'all were like 
two, two and a half years old. Right. So um, walk us through how that has impacted you. What changes did you do, you know, and how it helped maybe, I don't know, just kind of talk a little bit about that. And early on, I think it was really hard, um, you, you know, because we, we've often said we feel like we're planning the church again um, because you just have to start over with many of the things. I mean, um, creating new platforms and opportunities for ministry. You know, we went online and then figuring out how we're going to do that on an ongoing basis. I think one of the hardest things that um, for church planners and for pastors during this time is just decision fatigue. Like you just have to make decisions about everything. So that's been challenging. But at the same time, um, we've grown through this season, which, which has been really unusual. So, I mean, we've added a lot of new members who have come. It's interesting. Our in-person gathering is still, um, you know, smaller than it was pre-COVID, but I would say it's maybe 70% people that are new post-COVID. So it's just very, it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, I think pastoral care has been difficult during this season, like keeping track of people. Um, there's something about that Sunday morning gathering where, you know, it, it's energizing, it's unifying, it gives you an opportunity just for some quick relational touch points and you lose all that. So that's been a challenge, but God's been faithful. He sustained us um, financially. He sustained us in unity. Um, we're, we're actually we're actually moving um, to a new and better facility that that's happened through all of this time. So, yeah, I mean, again, the Lord moves in a mysterious way, right? Like we would never plan what He does, but we can trust that he's wise and good and knows what's best for his people. And I think out of COVID, we would certainly celebrate that. It, one thing it's, it's made us aware of some of the things that we do that are, that we're not going to do anymore, you know, and some of the things that we are going to alter. It's just been a good opportunity to take an honest look at some of the things we do. Yeah, we experienced the same thing and still are in a lot of ways and um, trying to evaluate what does this look like long term for us and, you know, like things we're going to do, not do. And, you know, obviously even, I mean, one little thing is like this little podcast we got here. Yeah. You know, this is something that we have found that's fairly helpful that's and uh, that we can't do a lot of on Sunday morning. And I mean, and, and also, you know, it's just for us technology wise, man. It is sweet to be able to call somebody up and say, hey, I know you're in a Georgia or Texas or you're a professor of this or you're doing this ministry and just have a conversation with them without flying them in. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm -hmm. And right. so our folks actually get to hear other voices besides ours, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, um, OK, so um, all right. I've got a question for specifically about NAM. Okay. Okay. For those who are watching, uh, we have a lot of folks that are part of our church. They are, um, new to church. Okay. And so when I say NAM, uh, that is North American mission board, N-A-M-B. And so when I say NAM, that's what I'm referring to. Um, now, okay. You guys, when you planted the church, uh, I'm assuming NAM was on board at the beginning, uh, 
just kind of explain to people who don't understand behind the scenes how NAM partners with folks like you and and how that works and how the money that you know we give helps you guys do what you do and, and people like you do what you do. Yeah, um, I mean, the North American Mission Board and particularly the, the, the church planning arm, which is called the SEN Network, um, I think has really the premier church planning pathway maybe in the world. Um, uh, their their process and the support and coaching and care that they give is just it's absolutely outstanding and it's all because of local churches like like Genesis like Gospel Hope who are saying we want to cooperate together to see churches planted um, so all of your gifts um, you know whether you give to the cooperative program or the Annie Armstrong offering um, fuels that church planning. So here's essentially the process that happens. Um, if a guy says, Hey, I'm interested in church planning, there's an assessment process. So first of all, they get vetted. Hey, are you, are you clear theologically? Are you, do you sense a real calling in your life to what the Lord is leading you to? Is your wife on board? All of these good conversations happen. And then if everything's a green light on there, you get what they call endorsed. And then once you're endorsed, you're kind of sent out to go plant a church. And that's where the North American Mission Board, because of the 40,000 plus churches uh, who cooperate, is able to fund significantly, many in many cases, uh, church planning. And that's particularly true in what we call our SEND cities, the 32 major metro areas in the United States. You know, Jeff, you, you talked about real early on about why Atlanta, um, the, the reality is, is um, that was the same thought I had, why Atlanta? But when you look particularly in the urban cores of Atlanta, of, of all our major metro areas, we're not doing terribly well. Um, the, the population of the world and of the United States is urbanizing. So it's something like 80% of Americans live in major urban areas now. And we've not only not kept pace in terms of planning new churches like that, we've been closing about a thousand churches a year. Um, and so just to keep pace, we need to plan a thousand. We're not, we're not even doing that. And much of that is happening in the urban areas. And now because of COVID, I don't know if you've heard this one, but it's like one in five churches are not going to make it through COVID. So the need wow. for church planning, particularly in urban centers is so hard. And that's why even a, a church like yours that's not in an urban center can participate by giving to Annie Armstrong and saying, hey, here's an area of great need. We can come alongside and get behind that. Churches like Gospel Hope, you know, being in the city is expensive. Um, it's, it's difficult because it's even more post-Christian than, than some some areas churches like gospel hope would not exist were it not for partnering churches and and, and we've benefited as a family from that um, we just felt very cared for in this process oh absolutely we have have so much um that's one of the things like we said that the lord had to make it clear if we were to go into church planning um we definitely wanted to have training. Uh, we wanted to have support. 
um, and not like just in a financial sense, but just to, we didn't want to do it Lone Ranger. Um, we wanted to um, be part of a, a, a bigger team and have those resources kind of behind us. And so um, NAM has been, and SIN Network in particular has been such a huge blessing to our family. They're always seeking ways to check in on us and see how we're doing and encourage us um, just with resources and then just, you know, just even personal encouragement. So uh, we've been really blessed by that. And even things like this, um, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I have a predisposition to say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. I'm pastoring a church. I, I, I lead with some Send Network initiatives here in the city. We have, as I said, 10,000 children. Um, only eight. It's only eight. <laughs> but it feels, it feels like 10,000. It does. So I it get does it, sometimes. man. I understand you. <laughs> we, 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 the joke is you go from man to man defense to zone defense to just straight up prevent defense. <laughs> um, but, but I'm always like happy and want to help with things like this because I'm like, man we come from an independent background where there wasn't this like built in family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the grass is not greener. And so anything I can do to encourage churches um, that are partnering with um, one another to see churches planted, I'm like, man, I, 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 I want to be an encouragement to the mm -hmm. folks at Genesis church, because I know that without them, you know, churches don't get planted. Yep. Well, guys, I want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us. And uh, to our viewers, uh, we uh, will be having more of these uh, with some other missionaries and church planners and church replanners uh, as well. So um, uh, if you have any questions uh, for Chris and I about any of this stuff, you know, reach out to us. We'll be glad to uh, talk to you. I mean, and we, I, be honest with you guys. Sometimes we have folks who will reach out and say, Hey, how can we go help those churches? You know? Mm -hmm. And so let's just, before we actually wrap this part of the video up or this podcast up. Okay. So let's say somebody says, Jeff, man, I, I saw the video at church. I saw the interview, you know, um, I saw your podcast. So, uh, I would like to go and I'm going to be in Atlanta. I got family in Atlanta. I'm going to be on vacation. Is any way uh, I can go help them? I mean, what, what's available for folks who might want to help you other than financial and praying? Yeah, I, I think with, um, you know, depending on your background, like with planning these new language congregations, there's going to be some work to be done, whether it's just kind of mercy, compassion ministry in the community. You know, if you're a Spanish speaker, I mean, there's opportunities there to, to help engage. Um, you know, we try to, uh, one, one of our kind of things that we say all the time at Gospel Hope is that we're not going to be either local or global missions. We're going to do both. Mm -hmm. And so we try to stay very engaged with our schools and, and things like that. Community partners, we call them, who are doing good work in the community. So if you're really burdened, I would say, man, come on, worship with us. We want to be a blessing to people because I think sometimes when you come to a church like ours, it, it, it's kind of like, oh my, like, wow, this is this is eye-opening. I've never worshiped in a experience like this. And, and we want to give people a heart for the nations, a heart for kingdom unity and kingdom diversity. Um, and so I, I would think that would be a couple things like come just worship with us, um, reach out to us. And if we have service projects in the docket, we'd love to have you kind of uh, tag team along with us. 
Awesome. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I came up with this or not, but I'll take credit for it because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what I do. You know, I was trying to help the church one uh, understand and, 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 you know, the whole local uh, and uh, global concept of missions and ministry. And so I just came up with a word called glocal, you know, you can combine, you know, <laughs> global and local, you know, and so we're. We're, we're about okay. local missions. That's good. Local. Like yeah, you can use that Sunday if you like and yeah, take yeah, credit yeah. for it if you want. Yeah. A t-shirt for sure, Jeff. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have high standards around here. So, <laughs> okay. Thank you guys. Well, thank you well, for, um, again, for your uh, spending time with us. And uh, man, we're looking forward to seeing what God does with you and through you and, and Atlanta needs you. Um, you know, I'm, totally amen i've been in places where there are churches but at the same time there aren't churches you know and every church isn't healthy and we understand that and um every community needs more churches and more healthier churches and it sounds to me like you guys are on the right path you, you, it sounds healthy you're you know you're reaching people that a lot of churches would not reach I mean, and uh, just because of you know, the makeup of their church. And so uh, I thank God for, for you guys and the sacrifices you have made. Uh, it's not easy being a church planner and uh, it can be stressful, let alone throwing, you know, about 10,000 kids in the mix. And so about uh, 10, yeah. uh, to yeah. give or take. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you for having us.